Well, today uh, is the message that I had prepared for last week when I left everything at home and I just preached a message that uh, uh, that I had done a number of years ago. I preached a number of years ago and uh, I appreciate the encouragement that you brought me because there were several people, even this week, I bumped into a couple people that said they watched that message last week's service and that message by live stream and they said, man, that just blessed me so much. So I appreciate your, I appreciate your, uh, your vote of confidence, if you would. And I was stressing, uh, very much so. I was still stressing when I left here last Sunday, but we know what the Lord is good and he blesses and he works even when things seem to be total chaos. He brings them to order. So welcome home this morning. We're glad you're here. If you're watching from home or driving down the road in your car, uh, keep both eye, one eye on the road at least. We uh, we welcome you to Voice of Praise Worship Center this morning, and we hope that you're blessed on this damp, cold day in West Virginia. Most of us have seen warning labels on something. You know, we live in, in Western civilization anyway, we live in a time when uh, class action lawsuits are the norm. Everybody is suing for something. If you've used Roundup over the last few years, you probably have seen that commercial on TV. You can sue somebody. If you use baby powders in the last few years... You can sue somebody, you know. In a few years from now, and and I, I will admit, I'm I'm I, I think it's every person's own choice and whatever's right for you. I ch- we we chose we chose Sarah and I did to uh, to take vaccinations, but I realized that in a few years, it's probably going to be a commercial on TV. It said if you took the Moderna vaccine back in. Uh, 2020, you're eligible for compensation. I realize that's a good chance. But there's also a good chance that I could find, see a commercial pop up and said, if you have eaten peanut pan peanut butter in the last three years, you are po- eligible for compensation. Everybody, everybody is, uh, everybody's out to receive compensation for somebody. And know that I'm not opposed to lawyers and attorneys. I think a lot of people are just looking to get rich. You know, so we live, we live in a world of disclaimers. There's warning labels and disclaimers everywhere you go. You know, to fill out a camp application to come to youth camp, it's uh, right now, and, and I'm part of that board, so I'm not necessarily being critical of my own self, but to fill out a camp application right now to come to youth camp is longer than a 1040 IRS form. Yeah, because it's full of disclaimers and releases of liabilities. Everywhere we look, it's it's all around us, and many of those disclaimers come in the form of warning labels. It may be that some of you all have saw some of those labels and and wondered about them, and and uh, maybe even scratched your head a little bit, or even or even chuckled under the. Um, under under the sound of your your voice, so to speak, as you've read some of these warning labels, I want to share this someone. And Joey, I, I'm glad you're here this morning because I got one that you're going to love. A coat hanger 
from the dry cleaners that says, warning, caution, warning, do not swallow. How many of you all have tried to swallow a coat hanger lately? I mean, just just think about this, you know. Uh, yeah. One thing about it, if you tried it, you would probably have to be wired. <laughs> or maybe, uh, maybe for you fishermen, you've seen on the, the, the packs of the fishing hooks, fish hooks, a warning label says, harmful if swallowed. I mean, is that duh or what? You know. <laughs> Just ask the fish, right, Joey? Harmful if swallowed. Or maybe, uh, maybe this one that has been posted at a swimming pool that was found posted at a swimming pool that said, do not breathe under the water. Yeah. Yeah, that's your fish. Uh, this one is not, it's a little small, so it's hard to read, but I'll help you out with it. But what it says on the, on a Dremel motor, you know, on the little moto tools that's used for woodwork and crafts work, it has a warning. This product is not intended for use as a dental drill in human or veterinary medical applications. Serious injury may occur. You may think that's funny, but I have a friend. He didn't use a Dremel, but he used his Black and Decker drill. Remember that? Yeah. Disclaimers. Caution labels. Here's a good one. Off the clothes dryer. Warning, high spin speeds. Do not put any person in this washer. Washing machine, not dryer. I said dryer. Do not put any person in this washing machine. So, Pam, you gotta forget about Scott. Don't put him in there. To do, to reduce the risk of serious injury, do not open the door when the clothes are moving or water is in the washer. This is a front load. Isn't that crazy? Isn't that sort of silly? Isn't that a little bit ridiculous? How about this one? In case of fire, exit building before posting anything on social media. Yeah, right. Self, selfish with the selfie with the flames licking over top of your head. Or what about this one? Caution, remove child before folding found on the baby stroller. That sounds a little bit ridiculous, but, you know, I, yeah, I'm sure it's, it's probably happened along the way. That's why it's got the label there now. So, so, so there's some crazy caution labels that come into, to play. And, and some of, as ridiculous as some of them may seem and some of them may sound, I, here, here's why I just couldn't resist. I couldn't resist this one. What about the Tide Pod bottle that has on it not for human consumption? Remember that being in the news a couple years back about kids swallowing Tide Pods? 
You know, give me a break. You know, give me a break. Do we have to be warned about everything? Do, do we have to be cautioned about everything? Does every, you know, are, are all of these labels necessarily? Well, apparently so in some cases. So we, we can laugh about these things and, and we can think about them as being foolish, uh, but apparently somewhere along the way there exists someone somewhere that maybe lacks the common sense or knowledge, if you would, that would try some of these things. There's, a, there's some corporate lawyer or somebody that realizes that people are foolish enough and they're going to sue somebody. Uh, but sometimes it's just a little bit ridiculous. The scripture provides us with some directives. If you want to call them warnings, that sounds a little bit more harsh. But the scripture provides us with directives and warnings or caution labels that make a whole lot more sense than the ones I just displayed on the overhead to you. God he God cautions us about some things, and uh, and while it's not concise in its existence and it's not exhaustive, but uh, uh, just a few things that God cautions us about. He cautions us on having lack of discernment. He cautions us on uh, adhering or giving over to false teachings. He cautions us on being spiritually insensitive. So for the next few Sundays, I'm going to be preaching along some of those topics. This morning, I want to preach to you on caution number one. Part one, if you would, are the lacking of discernment or the sign of Jonah. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, I want you to be turning them over to Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16, we find uh, Jesus teaching... And sometimes we we take this as a uh, more so of an end time preaching, but in reality, uh, the end times began when Jesus ascended back up. We there there is not another dispensation as we know it to come. So certainly, the end times did begin at that point. But Jesus is giving some uh, practical teaching even in the moment that he was in. When we turn to Matthew. Chapter 16, the Pharisees and the Sadducees came to Jesus and tested him by asking him to show them a sign from heaven. Now, I've sent out what the old timers used to call a fleece. Any of y'all ever done that? We go back to the story of Gideon and how the Gideon put a fleece out, a lamb skin out before the Lord. And we we want the Lord to give us a sign. Have any of y'all ever prayed and asked the Lord to give you a sign? Now yeah, I have. I, I still do. And I'm not saying this morning that that's improper or incorrect. But, uh, but some things we don't really need signs for. Like taking the baby out of the stroller before you fold it up. Or not breathing underwater. We really shouldn't need a sign for that. Or not to swallow a fish hook along the way. You know, there's some things we really don't need signs for, do we? And he replied, Jesus said, When evening comes, you say it will be fair weather for the sky's red. And in the morning, today it will be stormy for the sky's red and overcast. You know how to interpret the appearance of the sky, but you cannot interpret the signs of the times. 
A wicked and adulterous generation looks for a sign, but none will be given except the sign of Jonah. And Jesus then left them and he went away. I want to leave you uh, or preach to you this morning with, first off, the only sign, the sign of Jonah. Now, again, I'm not saying that it's wrong for us to pray and ask God to give us signs or to give us indications. I think it's it's always great to, to go into something with confidence and knowing that you're right in God's will. But my experience has, has brought me to a place where I, I don't know about you, but sometimes I ask God to show me things, reveal things to me. God, give me a sign. God, confirm this in my to me by letting this happen, you know, letting that happen. And sometimes I found that it seems like God just leaves me hanging. Now, your God may not work that way, but sometimes I'll just say, God, I need you to show me. I need to know. I, I need you to, I need you to, to give this sign to me or give that sign to me. Let, you know, and it never comes. And, and, and I become stressed a little bit because, oh Lord, what am I supposed to do here? When all the time I, I recognize and I realize that it's the Holy Spirit that is nudging my heart. It's the Holy Spirit. And, and what, I, what I'm getting to here is sometimes, and I know that we don't like this, but sometimes maybe we just lack the confidence and the working of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God that we should have to carry out the will of God. God in my life. There's, uh, listen, I think we should pray about many, many things, but actually we should pray about all things. But there's some things in our life that God is not going to come along and just crack us over the noggin and, and say, here's what you need to do. There's those, there are those things in life that we have to look and reason in the Word of God and be sensitive to the Holy Spirit and just begin, as I said last week in that message that I had and planned on preaching, we have to move out and move into what God has it, even when we maybe are not comfortable, are not satisfied with Him giving us a sign. Though there's an old adage that says that you wouldn't recognize a snake if it bit you. Uh, I want to twist it just a little bit and say there's an old adage sometimes that we wouldn't recognize a sign if it bit us. You see, it's very applicable in our time because sometimes God, God does everything but paint the portrait in front of us. And, and we struggle to, we struggle to see what He's saying to us or at least we don't want to see what He's saying to us or we don't want to hear what He's saying to us. Matthew said that one day these Pharisees and Sadducees came to test Jesus. And as they came to test Jesus, understand the Pharisees and the Sadducees were typically at odds with one another. They, 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 they actually even, it could be said that they hated or even despised one another. But the only thing they could get a lot, get together on was they disliked Jesus worse than they disliked each other. And so they're coming along to tempt Jesus in all of their religious religiosity, if you would. And as they're 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 tempting Jesus and they're trying to test Jesus, uh, they have all this religious excellence about them, but they lacked spiritual discernment. So they're asking Jesus for a sign. What they're really asking Jesus to do is they're asking Jesus to reveal reveal yourself. 
Prove to us who you are. Prove to us what's going to happen. And Jesus goes on into that verse of scripture that we took text of. He said, you know the saying, even when the evening, when the evening comes, you say it will be fair weather for the skies red. And in the morning, today, I will be, it will be stormy for the skies red and overcast. You know how to interpret the appearance of the sky, but you cannot inter- interpret the signs of the time. You see, the signs of the time in that day was the sign of Jonah. Now, what was the sign of Jonah? In Mark's account of this same uh, same uh, encounter with Jesus and the Pharisees and the Sadducees, you find that in Mark 8 and 12, he uses the word that is translated, he sighed deeply. When you go to Mark, it says, when, after they asked Jesus these silly questions, if you would, that Jesus sighed deeply. Now, what does that mean to us? In the Greek translation, what it means is it means an experience to experience an emotional state of grief and discouragement. So Jesus, Jesus, by this question, is prompted into uh, this a, a, an emotional state of disgust or discouragement, if you would. In essence, what Jesus is saying is, this is absurd. He said, this is totally absurd. You can interpret the sky, you predict the weather, and know what all it's going to be like, but you cannot see what's obvious before your eyes. You know, sometimes we struggle with that. Not, not Maybe not the revelation of who Jesus is like these Pharisees and Sadducees were struggling with. But, but you and I oftentimes struggle with what's obvious right before our eyes. We struggle with seeing, even though we see and we, we comprehend what God is wanting to do or what he is in doing in the bigger scope in the world around us. And, and we struggle with that and we begin to question Jesus. But when what Jesus is, he said, you can see the sky and the redness and the, you know when it's going to storm and you know when it's going to rain you know when it's going to be warm the next day but you can't see the obvious before you and what Jesus was talking about was talking about himself and finally he says to them a wicked and adulterous generation adulterous generation looks for a sign but none will be given it except the sign of Jonah so what is that sign of Jonah? The, the sign of Jonah points to Jesus' resurrection. Because just as Jonah was in the belly of the well, in the at the deep depths of the earth for three days, so Jesus will also be in a tomb for three days. But Jonah has, he was, if you would, vomited up on land. He was resurrected from the deep. He was resurrected from the body of the well. Jesus, too, would be resurrected from a borrowed tomb. You see, the sign of Jonah is is not some sign that Jonah himself would bring, but it would be that Jonah is the sign in that he is a type of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So Jesus is telling these Pharisees and these Sadducees that he is going to resurrect. They know the story of Jonah. 
they've read the, they've read the passages of what we now know as the Old Testament. They know what, that, what happened. They knew, they know and they believe that Jonah was swallowed by a great fish and, and he was taken into the depths of the sea and he abided there for three days in the belly, in the, uh, uh, in the digestive system of a great fish and he was vomited up. They, they know that. They've read that and they believe that. But Jesus is comparing what is going to take place in his life with what takes place with, or took place with Jonah. Jonah's second appearance. Cause let me tell you something. I, I, I don't really know. It's not, it's not necessarily elaborated to how many people actually saw Jonah being swallowed by that fish, but we know that it was recorded, so somebody must have had knowledge on it. And, it, and it's amazing. Science says that there's no way that a whale could swallow a man because his di- uh, the whale's diaphragm is not large enough. But just about a year, maybe two years ago, there was an occurrence where a whale actually swallowed a man. So science scientists can be wrong. But even if it wasn't a well as we know it, God created a great fish. God made a fish that would swallow Jonah. Somebody must have seen it. Somebody wrote it down. And that was probably be pretty amazing. You know, because it, it, it had to be, it was an unusual sight. It was something that you just don't see every day. And as amazing as it was, and people probably, I can imagine for the next two or two days or so, everybody's been talking about that big fish. Don't go down next to the lake. Don't go down next to the seashore because, because there's this really big fish down there. It's Swallowed Jonah in his entirety. Didn't even chew him up. Just swallowed him right there, man. Don't go. Don't don't keep, keep the kids back. Don't let the kids go close to the water. That was pretty amazing. God created a big fish. But what was more amazing is after being three days inside that fish, that fish shows up on the side of the seashore and he vomits Jonah up on the side of the seashore, and then everybody sees. Oh, hey, oh, is that? That is Jonah. No, no, no. Jonah got swallowed by a fish. Does Jonah have a twin brother? No, 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 no. That that is Jonah. This is Jonah that's got swallowed by the fish. He has been. He is back. He's reappeared. He survived. He's still alive. He's still doing good. You see, and all of that was a type of or a uh, of, of a typology of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You know, some people didn't know who he was. Some people thought he was just a gardener. So, uh, others just thought he was uh, some guy walking up the road. But the reality of it is, Jesus came back after three days. The sign of Jonah. But even then, those Pharisees and Sadducees struggle to believe and acknowledge who Jesus is. They still do today. When we understand that Jesus' resurrection from the dead will be a sign of judgment to the generation that here's his message. We also have an understanding of Jonah. Jonah being swallowed was Jonah being swallowed was somewhat of the judgment of God. Because Jonah Jonah was operating in disobedience and and Jonah was has Jonah was cast overboard. We Jonah swallowed by the swell. It's it's a type of the righteous judgment of God. But but then at following righteous judgment of God, Jonah Jonah is returned. Jonah comes back and Jonah does the work that he's been called to do. And not that Jesus was deserving of judgment at all because he wasn't. 
But who is deserving of judgment is you and I. We're, we're, we're deserving of judgment. We're, we're deserved, we're deserving of being swallowed up by the fish. What we're not deserving of is to being coughed up on the seashore one more time. What we're not, what we're not deserving of is to find ourselves coming, if you would, to that place where we're alive once more. We, we are deserving of judgment. But, but you see, it was grace that caused that well to vomit up Jonah on the seashore. It's grace that caused Jesus to rise out of that tomb, out of the belly of his well, if you would. And and we're looking for signs. Somebody said, well, preacher, when I know it's the right time to get saved, then I'll get saved. How foolish can you be? The Bible says today is the day of salvation. Right now is the accepted time. You know, how foolish could you be? Somebody said, well, I'll start serving God when I when he gives me a sign what he wants me to do. How foolish could we be? We can't can't wait around until he gives us a sign. We need to be about his business. Surely he has a will for our life. Surely he has something for us to do. Surely there are particular giftings and callings. I understand all of that. But in reality of it, we don't have to sit back and wait on a sign. We don't have to wait back, sit back and wait on God to, to knock us off of our seat to show us what we need to do. We just need to get about his business, doing what he's called us to do and being who he's called us to be. Paul solidified the importance of of discerning the Lord's sacrifice. We took communion just a few Sundays ago. And Paul was leading in what we would call a communion service. And he said, for those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ, eat and drink judgment upon themselves. You see, Paul was discerning of the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. He was discerning of the price that was paid. When, when you and I sit back and, and, and consider the price that Jesus paid for us, what else are we waiting on? When we consider what Jesus has already done, what more could we want? That is my question to you. What more could we want? You know, it, it's not about watching for labels and signs and, 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 and uh, you know, it, 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 it concerns me. I won't say disgust because that's not a good word, but it concerns me at some time that people are, that will say, oh, I'm just sitting back and I'm just waiting on the Lord. And when the Lord shows me, then I'm going to do this. And when the Lord, when the Lord shows me, I'm going to do that. And, and I understand me. I'm not saying that we should, we should go headlong without regard to the leading of the Holy Spirit. But what I am saying to us is oftentimes we will sit back and saying we're waiting on a sign or we're waiting on uh, instruction or we're waiting on this or we're waiting on that and all the time there is a world all around us that is lost and is dying. We can sit back and say we're waiting on revival or we can go after revival. We can begin to pray. We can begin to seek God. We can sit back and say well I'm waiting on can, oh, I'm, I'm going to meddle. Can I meddle just a little bit? Now Betty White died this past week. I was not a Betty White fan. I never, I never cared much for any of the programs she was in. If you were a Betty White fan, I, I, my prayers are with you. I feel sorry. 
and, and you have my sympathy. I never was a, a Betty White fan. I think it was remarkable the, the years that she lived. Sort of sad that she didn't quite make it to that hundred year mark, especially after all the magazines had already got put out in the, in the aisles at Walmart, you know. Uh, so, you know, you know, I, but, but, you know, when, when we begin to think about when we begin to think about Betty White passing, and I saw all this stuff on social media, and it was all over the news, and I saw somebody put up a comment on social media that said, wonder if Betty White ever got saved. You know what? I've done a lot of funerals, probably not as many as John Jenkins back there, because he killed everybody. With his preaching. No, I'm just picking. John's a good preacher. He's going to preach for us in the future. Here. But I've done a few funerals in my time. And, and it always amazes me that, that you can be at a funeral. You, you know, in many times you can be at a funeral and somebody maybe didn't, didn't have a testimony of knowing the Lord Jesus as their Savior. Maybe it's unsure if they knew the Lord or not. And, and you'll, you'll see people that will maybe be passing by the casket to review the remains, or maybe they're gathering, talking outside of the funeral home or the church door, or maybe they're gathered at the cemetery. And, and I, I will hear things like, oh, okay, I just wonder if old Billy Bob ever got saved. I hope he did. Let me tell you something. Did you ever think about going and asking Billy Bob before he took his last breath if he was saved? Did you ever consider uh, just sending Billy Bob a card and say, Hey, Billy Bob, I want you to know I'm praying for you and I'd like to introduce you to Jesus. Did you Did you ever think, listen, when, when we walk by the casket or we walk away from the graveyard, it's too late to say, wonder if so, so and so ever got saved. Listen, God is calling us. We don't have to wait for a sign. We don't have to wait for some airplane. You know, you ever down at the beach and they got those airplanes with those big banners. It says, go get you something to eat now and it makes you hungry and you get up and go eat. You know, we don't have to wait for a sign. We don't have to wait for a caution label that says, do not fold your stroller up with your kids still in it. But what we need to do is find ourselves operating in the Word of God and going into all the world, preaching the gospel, reaching people, sharing our testimony, sharing our word. And it's all about not sitting back and waiting. Because listen, if we wait for a sign, we could be lost. If we wait for a sign, somebody else could be lost. Jesus said, man, you guys, y'all are watching. You, you know, you, you're smart. You're smart. You're some of the most, the, the, the Pharisees especially, you're some of the most intelligent people in the, in the world, at least in the known world at that time. You're some of the smartest people in the world at this time. You can look at the sky and you can read into the sky and you can know all this stuff and, and, but you can't see what's happening before you. Let me tell you what's happening before us right now. You may be able to look at the clouds and know if it's going to rain or not. You may be able to look at the sunset tonight and tell if it's going to be a warm day tomorrow or if it's going to be a cool day tomorrow. You 
may be able to do a lot of, you know, your, your arthritis in your knees may tell you how many days it's going to rain. There may be all kinds of things that give you a sign. But I want to tell you, if we as the church of the living God, if we can't look around us and see that Jesus is coming and Jesus is coming soon, we don't need any other sign, people. We need to realize that He is coming. He is coming soon. He is coming in a twinkling of an eye. But even if you, if you don't make it to that twinkling of an eye, all around us, so many people we know and we realize over this past year have left us and lost us. Listen, we don't need to sit around and wait on some sign. We need to realize that Jesus is coming and we've got a gospel to preach and we've got say unsaved people to reach for Jesus Christ. So quit waiting. Why are we waiting? We includes me. Why are we waiting? Why are we sitting back? Because here, here is the fallacy in waiting. Hebrews chapter 7. The fallacy in waiting is this. As we read Hebrews 7, 23 through 27, we find this is the scripture. Now, there have been many of those priests since death prevented them from continuing in office. All the priests that went into the temple and made sacrifice in the days before Jesus' crucifixion. They may have been different statures. They had different names. But one thing they all had in common, they all died. There have been many of those priests since death prevented them from continuing in office. But because Jesus lives forever, he has a permanent priesthood. You know, so, you know what? If the Lord tarries his coming, my wife don't like me to say things like this, but I'm going to. If the Lord tarries his coming, I want to tell you what's going to happen. I'm going to die. And those of you that are here after me in this church, if I'm still pastoring when I die, let me tell you what's going to happen. You don't get you another pastor. That's just the way it is. That's just the way it works. And if that one expires, you'll get another one. And you'll get another one until Jesus comes. See, that's the way it was in the temple. One priest leaves this world. Another priest came along and took his place. Until Jesus came along. And when Jesus came along, he was a priest that, 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 that did not in the, enter the temple has, has was known by man in that time. But yet we read the scripture that tells us that the veil of the temple was rent from top to bottom and it revealed the holy place and, and priestly access was made to all through and by the one and only high priest, Jesus Christ, that still lives forever. Jesus lives forever and he has a permanent priesthood. Verse 24. Then verse 25. Therefore, he is able to save completely. He is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. Such a high priest truly meets our need. One who is holy, blameless, pure, set apart from sinners, exalted from, exalted above the heavens. Unlike the other high priest, He does not need to offer sacrifices day after day, first for his own sins and then for the sins 
of the people. He sacrificed for their sins once for all when he offered himself. You see, when we're sitting back, if we are sitting back and we're waiting on that next move of God to come, while we're sitting back and we're waiting on whatever to occur, while we're sitting, remember that old song we used to sing, I shall not be moved? Remember what our friend Eric Pennington said, John? He said he knew why they called these benches pews in the church. He said, because some of them been sat on so long as pew. You know. But we don't have to wait on any more signs. We don't have to, we, we shouldn't be waiting on, on the next big thing to occur. Because we know that we, we are the New Testament church and even from, from the time of, uh, uh, that these scriptures were, were, were lived out. And Mark and, and Matthew recorded those scriptures and Paul wrote his letters to the churches. And, and, and the Hebrew writer made his notations of the events that had taken place. Well, even from that time on, we know that the next big event to occur is Jesus is coming. And we don't need any more signs. We don't need to wait until something happens in Washington, D.C. or something happens in Rome or something happens anywhere. We just need to realize that Jesus is coming. And He was three days in the belly of the earth. Just like Jonah was three days in the belly of the well. And he came forth and he's alive and he was the, he served the office of priesthood and he still serves that office of priesthood. And we don't need a sign any longer. All we need to do is start reacting. I don't have the exact numbers to present to you this morning. I should have looked it up. You can Google it and find it out. But did you know, do you know Within Christendom, within evangelical Christendom and, and even, you know, Catholicism, you, the, the different religions that fall under, so under the category of Christianity. Do you know that the majority of Christians don't really believe Jesus is coming back? If you're telling me you if you tell me that you're going to come over to my house, I can promise you this. My wife is going to get all nervous. If you say, you're, we're going to come over and see y'all one night, my wife is going to get all nervous. And she is going to clean the main, the, the, the main bathroom in the house. She is going to clean that main restroom five times before you ever get there and dare me to go in there. That's what she does. No, she, she's, going to, she's going to make sure the house is, you know, just so-so. You know why? Because if you said you're coming, she's expecting you to arrive. That means play the piano. That means bye. I'm not telling them bye. But you know what? Jesus has said he's coming to the house to get us. 
But we ain't cleaned the bathroom the first time. We ain't vacuumed the carpet or even swept the dirt under the rug sometimes. Do we really, do we really believe that Jesus is coming again? I heard a preacher this morning, and I'm, I, I, it was a great message, by the way, we was listening to early this morning. And he was talking about all of the things that are happening in the world today. Most of what he talked about was happening in the U.S. I, and, you know, and I told my wife, and maybe I analyzed things too much. I said, you know what, this guy's talking about like the United States is the only place on the face of the earth. I said, that's not true. The United States only makes up a very very small percentage of the world population. God doesn't look at us and say, oh, I'm going to do whatever benefits the United States and the rest of the world's got to get along with it. I don't believe he works that way. But he was talking about global warming. He was talking about climate change. He was talking about the the, the COVID virus and all, all this. And, and all, all of it was good. He, he made some very good points, and I'm not being critical of him. But but this is this is where I come from this morning. This is where I'm coming to you. Why why are we? You know, before COVID ever hit, Jesus was still coming. Before global warming ever occurred, Jesus is still coming. Before some unnamed asteroid hits the earth and burns up part of it, Jesus is still coming. We don't need a sign. We don't need to be looking for it. We need to realize the only sign we need was Jesus. He, he hung on a cross. He was put in a tomb. And He was resurrected in three days. And a few days later, He was standing on a mountain. And they watched Him as He ascended up. And He said, this is the way, I, same way I'm going up. And the same way I'm coming back. And if we will just hold on to that and realize that's the only sign we need is to serve God. Is that Jesus is Jesus. And He's doing what He said He would do. So don't get hung up on got to remove the baby from the stroller before you close it. Don't open the door of the washer when it's full of water. Don't breathe underwater. All that sounds a little foolishness to us sometimes. But you know what? In, 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 a, in, a, in a similar regard, maybe not as simple, but in a similar regard, why are we sitting back waiting on the next big thing to happen? Why don't we just take Jesus at His Word? For His Word. I believe He's coming back. May I be about His business. Not just looking for some sign. Father, I thank You today for Your Word. I thank You for the power of Your Word. And Lord Jesus, may we, Lord, just receive, Lord, revelation of who You are. Today, this day, Lord, I Before we give the altar call, I want to share just one more tidbit with you. Peter miserably failed Christ. We know the story. Jesus said, you're going to fail me. You're going to fail me. Before the sun comes up, before the rooster crows, you are going to fail me. And Peter did. Now to grace and mercy and love... Peter has an opportunity of restoration. Thank God for restoration.
But Jesus says to Peter, He says, Hey, but Peter, 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 who do people say I am? Oh, yeah. But who do you say I am, Peter? Oh, I know who you are. Yeah, you are, you are Christ. You're the anointed one. Jesus said, Peter, flesh and blood hasn't revealed that to you. But you've received that by revelation of your spirit, in your spirit. And from now on, actually with Simon, he said, Simon, Simon. He said, Simon, from now on, I'm going to change your name to Peter. Petra, Rock. He said, because upon this rock, I'll build my church. He wasn't saying he was going to build his church on Peter, Simon Peter. But he was. what he said was, I'm going, my church will be built on the revelation that I am the Christ. That I am the anointed one. And when we latch on to that of who Jesus is. As it was in the days of Jonah. So would it be in the Son of Man. Three days in the belly of the fish. Three days in the tomb. But He came forth victorious. Miraculously. He ascended to the right hand of the Father. And the next big event. is the soon coming. Of the Lord Jesus Christ. I just want you to bow your head with me. If there's one person in this room. One person. That does not know Jesus. I want you to know you are you are probably the most important person apart from the Lord in this room this day. Because you need redemption. You need you need to accept salvation. If you're in this room and you're not saved, if you're watching by live stream and you're not saved, it's a good day to be saved. I tell the story about sometimes about my granddad. How my granddad would not get saved. He sat in his chair and he, and he cried, but he wouldn't. He wouldn't release his faith. He wouldn't cry, call out to the Lord. He would say, "I'm not ready yet. I'm waiting for the right time." And then, as, to my knowledge, he left this world without knowing Jesus, just simply waiting on the right time. Don't wait on the right time. Don't wait on the sign. Erase all of those notions out of your mind. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the best day in the world to get to know Jesus. Today is the best day in the world to get saved. If you're in this room and you've never been saved or you've drifted far away from the Lord and you need to come back home without any embarrassment, I just want you to raise your hand and say, pray for me. Anybody at all? Pray for me. Consider by that there's not a person in this room that is out of right relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. But today we're going to pray and we're just going to ask that the Lord just help us to move forward into His kingdom. Not waiting on a sign. Not waiting on the next big event. But that we will move into what He's called us to do. Will you join with me? Fathers, we come to you today. We love you. We praise you. Lord, we're just believing that, God, that you're going to give honor to your word. Give honor to your spirit as we move into what you've given us to do. Lord, we're not looking for a sign. We're not looking for a, a way of safe passage. But, Lord, we're releasing our faith and we're going forward in you 
And Lord, we are going to minister, Lord, to a world that is lost and dying. God, don't let us be guilty of letting anyone pass through our our, 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 our hands, Lord God. Or don't let us lose anyone through the cracks, Lord, without them hearing and knowing about the name Jesus and the salvation that it brings. God, don't let us be guilty of sitting back just waiting, just waiting. But God, help us to be about your business. Lord, help us to be awake and up. Have our lamps trimmed and our lamps burning. Help us, Lord Jesus, to be a people that that are on the move for you, Lord God. Seeing your kingdom come and your will be done. Help us to fulfill that role that you've appointed us to do. Lord, as I think of that song, Lord, we are the body. We are the body. Why aren't our hands reaching? Why aren't our feet going? God, help us to be the body of Christ in the fullness thereof.